Welcome to Weekdays with Jesus. Today's message is from Pastor Ben Johnson and is called The Messiah Came for the Lily People. And it's based on 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. And today's Advent song is called Emmanuel and was written by Eleanor Paulson. So as I mentioned, we're continuing this Advent series where we've been following along through the Advent wreath, something I think many people grew up with, we knew about, and uh, it's one of those things that even as your pastor, I don't know if I could have told you every single candle and the meaning of it, um, and, and frankly today, don't ask me why it's pink, somebody can fill that in for me, um, but we went through the prophecy, the Bethlehem, and today it is the shepherd's candle. And we're going to be um, looking at how the Messiah came to lowly people. Um, so today we're going to be talking through the shepherds. And we're actually going to be in Luke 2. Uh, Corinthians and James, those are phenomenal. We're going to be pulling in the core messages of those um, in the sermon. But we're going to be really just working through Luke 2. So if you have a Bible or device, feel free to have it open to Luke 2. Um, in verses 8 through 20-ish. Eh, All right, we'll see where we get. <laughs> Shepherds. Now, let's talk about it. How many of you growing up at some time in your life, you either saw or wore one of those old-timey shepherd's outfits in a Christmas play? Yeah. Did you have the staff? Yeah. I was a shepherd in like fifth grade. Man. There, there was a group of us. I had the staff. I felt so cool. So cool. Then, okay, now let me ask you this. How many of you at home have either a picture, nativity set, something that is portraying a shepherd? We have made shepherds iconic and beautiful, for sure. And even as we think of shepherds, we think of them in, in very, I don't know, we think about them. And, and they're, uh, they're not foreign to us, they, they, and in some ways we glorify them. There is a, a show I used to watch a lot. I haven't watched as much now. I should probably get back into it because I really liked it. Um, but it was the show, the show Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe. Anyone else? Oh, I love this show. I love this show. Every time I watch it, I'm like, I am so glad I'm a pastor, right? I mean, I got to deal with a mess of people, but not like a ton of actual messes, you know? Uh, but every time, so Mike Rowe goes and he saddles up next to just these jobs that you don't even know are happening half the time. And man, they're just filthy and dirty and the things they have to do for their livelihood. And he does it with them and just kind of, and, and in a sense, he's bringing attention to it. He's letting you know it happens. And, and, and to get us to be appreciative. You know, I, I think the show is sort of the, you know, a lot of the jobs are just these good blue collar jobs that many of us wouldn't pay attention to. Much like driving down the road and, and, and there's road construction, especially in the summer. And these poor men and women that are outside laying asphalt in the dead of heat. Now, I'll be honest with you, most of us might have the thought of, oh gosh, more road construction. Oh, when are they going to get done? 
one lane. This is very inconvenient. And how often we don't really even pay attention that there's a human being in 95 degree weather on asphalt. And so when we drive by, I always turn to my daughter, she'll be in the truck and I'm like, oh, those poor people. She goes, why? And I go, uh, cause it's blazing hot and they're laying asphalt. And she'll be like, have you ever done that job? She thinks I've done everything, right? I was in a worship band in high school. She thought I was a member of NSYNC, no joke, no joke. So I told her, because when I, when I was at seminary, um, I, I've always worked landscaping. That was always, and, and not like the pretty landscaping, like a green thumb. I can't match flowers. That's not my thing. And it's funny because nowadays I'm where plants go to die. I don't, it's not my, not my gig. But I, I have the, the spiritual gift of grunt and I can haul mulch like anybody else. And so I would just do all the grunty stuff. But man, dead of summer, St. Louis heat and humidity where you just walk outside, you're sweating, and then to work with mulch, and the dust is everywhere, and you're just blowing your nose, and it's mulch for days, and you know what I'm talking about. It's dirty, dirty, right? The people I worked for, not even at the seminary, but this house I worked at, they didn't care about that. They just cared that their flower and beds looked good. And half the time, that's kind of who we are. We just want it to look good, we don't want to be inconvenienced. But there's so much that happens around us all the time of good, hardworking men and women working just these dirty jobs for, for our convenience. You know, I always laugh when people were, they were talking about with, with, I think we should have a safe border, but they were talking about coming in, taking our jobs and stuff like that. And I'm like, yo, like I lived in California. Now, you want to go down south and see what's going on, I guarantee you, none of you want to be out picking strawberries. I mean, you want it in your all year round in your buffets, but not necessarily doing the work. We all want nice roads to drive on, but very few of us want to go out in the middle of summer to lay asphalt or roof a house or work in the fields. There's a lot of dirty jobs. This is a sermon for you, if that's you. But if 90% of your day is spent in air conditioning or heat, we got a thing to learn too. <laughs> because, why am I spending so much time on it? Because to talk about the shepherds is to talk about dirty jobs. Contextually, in Jesus' day, the shepherds would literally live with the sheep in the field. When it says that there were shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night and lo. <laughs> we make it so pretty, but think about it. They're semi-nomadic living with, in my opinion, the dumbest animal alive. It is not an honor that scripture calls us sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. They're not intelligent. The shepherd is to lead them and guide them to water, to food, 
to protect them from the wild beasts because they're not intelligent and they're a very tasty lunch just sitting out in the middle of the field. You have thieves and robbers and wild animals. So the shepherd is on a 24-7 with these sheep, day and night, out in the field, camping out, usually with other shepherds, and that was the gig. Now, there are some accounts of people talking about that like, oh, shepherds contextually were like, were like the prostitutes or the leper. I wouldn't go that far. Nothing I've read says that. All right? It was just like good, hard-nosed, blue-collar work. I don't know if I'd let my daughter go hang out with them. But they weren't like evil. They just took care of the sheep. Now, what they were was probably dirty and smelly. So the rabbis and those in charge of the temple rated the shepherds as being ceremonially unclean and they could not come into the temple to worship. So there was a sense of that they were kind of semi-ostracized by the community. They were, uh, we don't pay attention to them people. I mean, mean, we'll we'll appreciate them when we got to go get a lamb for sacrifice or when we want to have some you know, some good meat for lunch, but we don't really think about them. They served a role. A role that many throughout the community would not want to do. They were, you didn't think about them. Like all these other dirty jobs that happen around us in society. As long as they don't inconvenience us, we don't think about them. The moment they inconvenience us, we think about them. And usually not in good terms. Same with the shepherds. They were just not a thought. Does that make sense? So I'm trying to portray this in societal terms of where we're at with the shepherds. They were a lowly people. Lowly, adjective, meaning low in status or importance. Humble. They were just low on the totem pole. They they weren't important. Think about them. If your kid grew up and they're like, I want to be a shepherd, you'd be like, aim higher. They're just getting real. These were the shepherds. That's what I portrayed in fifth grade. A semi-nomadic, dirty, ostracized by the community, not allowed in temple worship, living in the field with sheep all day and all night figure. Lowly, lowly. So, that's the scene. That's the scene as we come into Luke 2. And it, it says in Luke 2, it opens in, in the same region, same, same region as Jesus' birth. So in the region of Bethlehem, out in the fields were shepherds. That's where they are. And they were keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, they're out in the field. There's no light pollution. All they have is a big starry sky. Maybe they're paying attention to this one low-hanging star that's odd. Like, what's up with that one? Right, the same one the, the Magi are following. I mean, they had to have seen it. They're in the region of Bethlehem. Right? Maybe they, they're noticing this odd star. Whatever it is. Maybe a little campfire. But it's quiet. They're out there. Maybe some noises. Meh. 
whatever, sheet make. Right? And it's just quiet. Pitch black. Quiet. When all of a sudden, bang! Yeah! When an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and it says the glory of the Lord shone around them. I know, some of you right now are like, that was really loud and inconsiderate in my ears. I know! It was on purpose. It was on purpose. Because that, I mean, I can't even... We'd have to shut the lights down and do something even more dramatic. To have an angel of the Lord. What's the first thing in all accounts when angels show up on the scene, what's one of the first things they say? Fear not. Why do they have to say that? Because people are terrified when they show up. They have to be an imposing figure. Now, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit trail of angels because we got another candle, all right? But man, I am just like, the scene is insane. And this is one angel. It says an angel of the Lord, an angel of Yahweh, appeared to them. The glory of the Lord. When Isaiah was given a vision of the throne room of God, and he is in the midst of the glory of God and the angels who are covering their faces from the glory of God. It says Isaiah hit the ground and said, woe is me, I'm a dead man. That when people are in the face, when Moses was in the presence of the glory of God and he would leave the tabernacle, it says, like, I don't know, radiation poison, I don't know, but he would glow. Read about it. At the transfiguration of Jesus Christ, when the glory of God came around them, and it says that all the disciples hit the ground in fear. This group of shepherds are out in the field, and all of a sudden, boom! They were filled with great fear. So what's the angel say? Stereotypical, fear not. Right? They are freaking out. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You're going to find this baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, I love it when scripture says suddenly, just that quick, like a blink of an eye, boom, the sky is full with a multitude means you can't count the number. Remember the first time I took my daughter stargazing? And we were in my truck, and she's like, let's count all the stars, Daddy. And I'm like, all right. And we're like, I'm like, one, I'm not even doing it. I'm like, one, two, three, four, right? And then all of a sudden, she's like, which star are you on? And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> this isn't that. And she was so serious. She goes, I'll start on the left. You start on the right. But you can't. If you've ever been stargazing, you can't. There's too many. 
a multitude of the heavenly hosts. Now, just put this in your mind. One heavenly host was enough to drop the shepherds to the ground in fear. A multitude. All praising God and saying. Okay, i got to debunk something. They're not singing. I know. Some of you want the singing heavenly chorus, like choir people singing. Not like that. But this had to be even more terrifying because... Oh, you, you, you hear a multitude in unison all speaking the same thing? These poor shepherds. A multitude. The name uh, Angelos, angel, just means a messenger. They're given what to say and they go say it. Or they're given what to do and they go do it. Angels never go rogue. That's why Satan fell. He went rogue and brought others with him. They went outside the will of God. But angels, in their divine nature, they just do the bidding of God. They are messengers of God to do His will. Which means, you have a multitude of angels in the kingdom of God, and God the Father's like, all right, let's get together. I got a mission for you. And He calls them all together, a multitude, all of them. You can just see the heavenly sound of God's voice. He says, we are going to go to earth and we are going to pronounce the birth of my son, Jesus Christ. And I'm sending you to deliver the message. And you could just see these angels like locker room scene, you know, like the football team. like, I mean, they are psyched. Let's go. I'm ready. I was made for this. Send us, Lord. Where are we going? What king? What nation? Is everyone going to see this? Like they are ready. And God the Father goes, all right, you ready? There's a group of shepherds outside of Bethlehem, out in the fields. I want you to go tell them. Come again? What? Remember, angels are not all-knowing. They don't, they're not all-knowing. You know how confused you would be? Like the the Logos Word of God, the power of God that created the stars, created that. Like that person has been born. I mean, the most insane thing, incarnated as a human being. And you're going to go pronounce this, that the salvation of all mankind has now been born. And, and you get the message that you're going to go to some shepherds in a field like a multitude of angels are being sent. I mean, this would be like, this would be like, all right, everyone in all of this church, all right, all, like 3,000 members of, uh, we're all together, and we're like, we are gonna go sing the praises of Jesus and bring the good news out there, and we're gonna go to room 102 at the retirement home of Grandma Schmidt. What? Let's go sing. Wait, what, shouldn't it be a little bigger than that? No. It's going to be for Grandma Schmidt. That's what this is. This gives me comfort because how often in life do things happen that you have no clue what's going on 
and all you know is God told you to do it, but you don't know how it intertwines. You don't know the meaning of it. I mean, how many shepherds in their fields has God called us to go love and talk to and be there for? And you're like, really, shepherd? Why? Why? Why would I do that? I don't get it. And God's like, you don't have to get it. You just have to do it. You don't have to get it. It doesn't have to make sense because you're not Yahweh. You just have to be obedient to what Yahweh asks you to do. And it gives me comfort that maybe even the heavenly hosts might fall into that category where sometimes I fall. So the angels do it, and they come and bring the good news that's going to lead to great joy that Christ is Lord. Now, why the shepherds? All right, I'm going to give you three reasons why maybe the shepherds. Okay? Why maybe the shepherds? Number one, number one, the writer Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. He, by all that we know, was a former slave. And he was very interested and captivated by the premise that the coming of Jesus Christ to turn the world on its head, flipped it upside down, that the rich become poor, that the first become last, that God would choose the meek and the lowly and the insignificant from a worldly standpoint to then place himself in and to lead the change that he's going to bring. It's going to be those who are going to be martyred for the faith. It's going to be the poor and the weak and those who know that they need the strength of God. That's who Jesus chooses. And Luke is very interested in a world turned upside down by the grace of Jesus Christ. So in, in one way you would be like, of course it would be the shepherds. And of course Luke would be like, that's a big point. We should make sure everyone remembers this. Could also be that maybe God just has a soft spot for the role of shepherd. This was an interesting aha moment for me that I was excited to bring to you. Maybe it's an aha moment for you. Do you know, all right, that Abraham, who is the father of Israel was a shepherd. Moses, who was the leader of Israel and rescued him from Egypt, was a shepherd. Amos, who was a prophet of Israel, was a shepherd. David, who was the king of Israel, was a shepherd. Coincidence? Go back to prophecy candle. I don't think so. And not only that, but in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. Genesis 49, just kidding. Psalm 80, Ezekiel 34, all of them speak of God being a shepherd of his people, a shepherd of the flock. And then in Matthew 2, Matthew 26, Hebrews 13, 1 Peter 2 and 5, most notably in John 10, Jesus himself calls himself the great shepherd of his people. So again, go back to that prophecy candle. It, in some ways, you're like, it had to be the shepherds. Like, I, 
Like that's what's so interesting about the shepherd is because contextually and within society, they were not an esteemed group or looked highly upon. But throughout scripture, it is a very honorable role. In fact, even being called a pastor is being called a shepherd. And that we have all been given responsibility as shepherds of the flock in one way or another. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe you help out at children's church and you help the kids or in the nursery. Maybe you, you lead a Bible study or this or your na- or whatever it is. But we are all, in a sense, that's, that's what being a pastor is. Not a professional sermon giver. And my job is not to be a perfect Christian. My job is to protect and provide and lead the flock of God that he brings. And to disciple and grow them through the word of God all the way to salvation. That's my role. That's, that's, what I sign, that, that's me as a shepherd. So God has a very elevated view of the role of shepherd. Maybe that's why. Or, maybe, because, listen, all of Scripture, God gives the best analogies. He has the best visuals. Maybe, also, it was to really, really show us that this good news that's going to lead to great joy is really meant for all people. Because in that society... To have the shepherds as the first ones to hear the good news and to become the first missionaries sent to go tell people about it is outrageous. The most unexpected group of people. So maybe it was God saying, no, it really is for all people. It's not just for the rich and the notable and the influential. It really is for all people. And I'm going to start with the shepherds because I love the shepherds and they flip the world upside down. I'm going to show people of what I can do. Go back to the Bethlehem candle of just using ordinary things for extraordinary purposes because they get touched and used for God's purposes. So let's finish out the account. Luke 2. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. That's the message. That's going to be Christmas Eve. It's hard for me not to jump ahead. I work hard at it. It's called a filter. My wife says I don't have one, but I do. says, when the angels went away, or back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, we got to go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. What a scene. This, this, this lowly group of shepherds, just, it says with haste, just booking it into Bethlehem. 
busting through. Maybe the streets, no one was out, I don't know, but they bust in. And, and, and you can just imagine, all they know is you're going to find a baby lying in a manger, swaddling clothes the whole bit. How, how long did it take them looking? How many places they have to break into and be like, whoa, nope, boom, nope, boom, nope. Have you seen a baby lying in a manger, swaddling clothes? And here's the funny part, probably not many people knew about it. It's, it didn't make headlines. It was just another poor peasant girl that gave birth in a barn. It's the most unassuming thing that happened. But when they find him and they see it, they're like, oh, there. And you got to think Mary's like, excuse me? Right? Any newborn mommy knows that. What? They're like, this is it. We were out in the fields, and there were so many angels we couldn't count them, and they all said that this is the Savior of the world. We had to come. We had to come. This is real. This is happening. Is this happening? Mary's like, yeah, this is happening. Why are they so excited? Because no one cares about shepherds. They've been living their whole life invisible. No one cares about them. They're not important people. They're lowly. Why should anyone care what they have to say? And then in this moment, God communicates to each and every one of them, you're not invisible, you're not lowly, I'm coming to you. I'm going to share with you the great news leading to great joy, and it really is for all people. I'm going to wrap you up in this story, and I'm going to send you to go see that you are not the least of these. You are mine. And if you are mine, that makes all the difference. And it's not about what society thinks of you. Half the time, it's not about what you think of you. Sometimes we all have to kind of get over ourselves. What if they were out in the field and they said, you know what, I'm just not worthy. That fake humility crud, I'm just not worthy of it. I shouldn't go. Who am I? And you know what they would have missed? Jesus. See how they got over society? They got over themselves because it wasn't about them. It was this child who has been born and, and who, was, who came to them. And they said, this is the one. And they had to just go tell everybody. I remember when my daughter was born and I had a picture on my phone. I'm going up and down the hospital. I was like, my daughter's born. My daughter's born. And people are like, yeah, it's a hospital. I'm like, no, you don't get it. It's my daughter. This is my daughter who's been born. And you have to tell people. But I'm going to flip that a little bit. Because what's the good news leading to great joy? That because Jesus was born, and because he grew up to live a life you couldn't live, and he died a death that we all deserve, and he rose again from the dead, he did that so that your face could be on his phone, so that he could go, that's my kid. That's my kid. That's mine. I saved him. I paid for it. That's my kid. And the heart of Christmas is the rescue mission of God for all the people 
for the whole world, for everybody, no matter who they are, no matter what they're doing in the world, there's no unimportant, invisible people in the commodity of God's people because every one of them is loved by God, created by God, and we, we, we are those who have been chosen to bring the message of salvation. We're the most lowly of people. The people you wouldn't expect. People that don't deserve it. We're the shepherds. See, here's the game changer, Christian. Here's the game changer. For much of my life, God just had to break my pride down. And for a lot of my life, when I would read about the shepherds, the lowly people, the prostitutes, the broken, the sinners, do you know what was so sad? I very rarely put myself in that category. See, the message of the Gospel, you're the woman in adultery at the feet of Jesus. You're Judas's kiss. You're the denial of Peter. You're the mockers when Jesus is on the cross. You're the shepherds who are lowly, sinful, and don't deserve the grace of Jesus. But there is good news that's going to lead to great joy. And it's for all the people that Jesus Christ was born and something brand new has started. And from their births, a joy, a great joy that just oozes out where you're like, look what my Jesus did for me. Look what he did for me. Do you see that cross? He did that for me. That's my Jesus. He did that for me and he did it for you too. And we are those sent as the missionaries of the good news that this thing has happened and that, the, and that the Messiah has been born, and he has died, and he has risen again, and he is coming back. We're the ordinary things wrapped up in the extraordinary purposes of God's salvation story. And brothers and sisters, you're part of the greatest thing that has ever happened on this planet, in all of history. Emmanuel. Jesus. Our salvation is born. May this inspire and encourage your Advent journey. Amen? Amen. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see the light. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Get in the